topic today is control. TJ Leffler coming to you from New York City. And first, I just want to say thank you so much, guys, for listening. Thanks so much for letting me join you on your commute or on your walk, wherever you might be. Maybe, like I said, you're listening low key and you're at work. Um, I appreciate you. And I appreciate everybody who sent feedback and had just questions and follow up and more things that they wanted to dig into after that first episode in priorities, where we talk about not just how to know your priorities, but how to actually take action on them. Uh, my hope is that you got value. And if you did get value, that you shared it with somebody else, you shared it with your clients, you shared it with your friends, your family, uh, because those things that we learned that benefit us are meant to be shared with others. And yes, it'll help spread this message. It'll help spread um, more positivity in people's lives, but also hopefully spread the most important part, which is positive change. And so if you hadn't made a change in your life after that last episode, and you knew that you could, and you got an idea, I'm hoping that you'll decide and make the choice, which we're going to talk about today, to actually go make change. Now, in today's segment, I want to talk about control, and I'm going to talk about basically three things here. Number one, the things we cannot control. Number two, the things we can control. And number three, the point of maturity, the things we can control but don't need to. Now, I'm going to talk about the things we can't control first. And normally I would reverse that order where I would talk about the things we can control because I think it's really important to understand how to take full ownership of your life. But for most of us, it's actually, and when I say most of us, I know that normally the people who are listening and the audience that I'm speaking with and to are, they're, they're high performers, they're motivated, they're driven, they're type A, they're ambitious. And our problem is, is really not that we um, don't take control of things in our lives, right? It's actually that we try and take control over the things that we can't control. And it causes frustration, it causes unrest. It causes us to have unnecessary anxiety in our lives. And so the first point today in those things that you can't control and the process of letting go, we first need to be able to identify what we're letting go of. Some of you guys maybe have had friends or family who have talked to you about maybe a relationship that you're going through, and, and it's a difficult um, process of ending that relationship or it's ended, and you can't let go. Or maybe it's not a relationship with a person, it's a relationship with a job, or maybe a relationship with a dream, an idea an ambition. Maybe it's a relationship with yourself and you find yourself not being able to let go. People will be quick to share that advice. Well, you just need to let go. But my question to you is what do you need to let go of? You need to be able to first name and identify the things that you cannot control in a situation if you want to be able to let go of those things. Because if you're anything like me, that's just not a very practical piece of advice to take, right? Well, you just need to let go so that you can move on. That makes a lot of sense in theory, but in practice, what does that mean? And I'll give you an example of what this looked like in my life. So some of you know, and if you haven't already listened to my episode on my story, I'm gonna encourage you to go do that. I think it'll inspire somebody and hopefully affect some positive change in somebody's life. But there was a time in my life where money had taken control of me. Now, the reality is I had let money take control of me unknowingly, but I had let money 
take control of me. And there I was not making any money because I had left my job and I was on this journey trying to figure out what I was going to do next before I found speaking and coaching as like these real opportunities to express my gifts and actually make money doing it. I was trying all these different things. And I started to become fearful about not being able to make money. Mind you, I had plenty, but I was listening to the voices of all the people around me who were fearful, really, for me, which was a reflection of fear in their own lives, saying, well, you should be conscious of the money you spend there and be careful. Don't spend that money there. And yeah, maybe you shouldn't take that trip there because you're not making any income. And the reality was I had over $100,000. I didn't need to be worried about whether or not I should spend that money on a $300 trip that would add a ton of value to my life and was positive for me, for my personal growth. But those sort of thoughts scared me. And so I started seeking all of these different ways to make money rather than just sitting still and trying to get peace over my life so I could have clarity about what I was supposed to do next. I was actually just, I was continuing this this mode or method of ambition, trying to just figure out what to do next so I could have a good excuse or a good answer when somebody asked me, hey, what do you do? And so in that presence of mind, in that state of fear, I started looking everywhere to try and find ways to make money. Now, I found an opportunity. I found an opportunity after journaling and, and in prayer and journaling. I was like, man, I feel like this, this one opportunity is really kind of on my heart. And I, had a, I actually had a lot of peace about it, and I didn't know what it would look like. But I remember writing down where I was going to make $30,000. And I was like, wow, that's, that's incredible. And, and some of you guys have heard me talk about visualization um, and the importance of it. But I, I had written it down, and it, it really, like, it was one of those things where you, wrote, where you write it down, and you're like, that, that wasn't my thought. Like, I wasn't even consciously thinking, where did that come from? So <clears throat> I just started looking at different opportunities, and all of a sudden, I saw just a very low-hanging fruit, I would call it. I saw stock options in the in the market. They looked to be the right price. And and for whatever reason, this one ticker came to mind, BAC, Bank of America Call Options. And I said, wow, like this looks like a perfect opportunity. If there were a chance to make 30 grand and, and I had the money for this like expression of, of, of deploying capital, it would be right here. And so, you know, I bought into it like two, three weeks later, boom, 30 grand. I had made 30 grand. It was super quick. It was super easy. And next thing I know, I get this sense which inside felt like an urge, and now I'll call it greed, to go for 100 grand. And so next thing you know, I'm trading more actively. Rather than being at rest with the money I'd earned and saying, okay, I've, I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I can kind of take risk off the table, sit back and digest. I started going for more. I tried, I tried to take control of the situation because in reality, I was not so much greedy for more money, but fearful that I might never have enough. I was fearful. And it caused me to try and take control of the situation. And what happened was, I started learning very quickly that in the markets, when your own capital is deployed, it becomes very easy 
to lose control of yourself over something you had no control over in the first place. What I mean by that is, I started losing control, discipline over my mind and therefore over my actions, trading in and out of the stock options when I should have just kept the trade on because I started thinking that I could have some control over the market, which I never had control over in the first place. What consequently happened is over the course of the next six to nine months, I lost not just that $30,000 I had made, but I lost over $100,000, all of my savings, the last of the half a million that I had earned in the first few years out of college working on Wall Street. And because I had saved a bunch of money, I was set up for success or at least to transition smoothly. Then fear poked its little head out, I started thinking that I'd have control over a situation, that I'd need to take more control over that situation, and I started losing control over the entire situation, and I found myself in a place in that six to nine month period after I started trading, I found myself in a very deep, dark place where I was broke and all these other things started happening in my life, and I'll let you listen to my story to hear what happened next. But the point is to say, it became very hazy. As soon as I started losing self-discipline, it became very hazy for me to discern between what I did have control over and what I didn't have control over because I had been hurt and I had hurt myself, right? I wasn't physically hurt. I was hurt emotionally. I was hurt mentally. I was hurt spiritually because the whole genesis of this trade idea came from writing in my journal and praying, and I felt very strongly about this opportunity. And so I, I felt so damaged. And some of you guys might be able to relate to this because I feel like, you know, especially if you guys from the spiritual end, like especially if you hear from the Lord, you do not disobey that thought. And, and that idea of discerning between what is from God and what is not is a very difficult thing to do. And we tend to think, and this is a total side note, but we tend to think, when we hear from the Lord that it's always going to end well. There's a whole nother episode we could talk about with that. But yes, he's a loving father. And yes, he wants good things for you. But just because we hear from the Lord doesn't mean it'll end well in the way that we think ending well looks like. Because there is a greater time has no boundary around a creator. And so this idea of ending well, well, that trade for me didn't end well in the time frame that I'm giving you in that six to nine months, right? But it's important to have greater context to understand how, how that experience shaped my life. Now, back on track, understanding the things that we have control over and don't have control over and how those two things can get confused easily when we start losing self-discipline, self-control, and we damage ourselves, we hurt ourselves. So there I am, and I'm in this situation. I'm like, okay, I need to let go of this if I want to move forward. I need to sort of get over this hurdle, right? Well, the process of letting go looks like one word. It's called forgiveness. 
It's called forgiveness. And in any area of your life where you might feel like there's a lack of progress, there's an internal resistance, and you can't figure out why, I can assure you that it is linked to something that needs forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is interesting because when we talk about forgiveness, people will often say, well, yeah, I need to forgive my father for teaching me this lesson and it showed me the wrong way or forgive my mother or forgive my teacher or my spouse or my, or my, my boyfriend or my coworker or my boss. I need to forgive them. Well, forgiveness is interesting because you can't forgive someone else unless you have it first. I would say, and, and I talk about this in my seminars, forgiveness is like a basketball. You can't pass it if you don't have it. And most of us have never gone through that process of self-forgiveness for the things that we could not control. Because that's what we're talking about first here, right? The things we can't control. We haven't gone through the process of self-forgiveness for the things that we could not control that we tried to take control over. And it's so important to be able to have grace with yourself, to know that you might have done something that is out of character, not true to who you are because of whatever reason, fear, peer pressure, circumstantial pressure, real needs, a really tight situation that you had to make a, a decision in and you maybe didn't have the capacity, the right energy, the right sleep, the right nutrition, whatever it might have been to make that decision, the right process. We need to be able to come to that place where we can say, I forgive myself for trying to take control over this situation where I was financially okay, but believed in my head I was not. And I couldn't come to terms with the fact that I would be okay if I lost that money and never saw it again. So I kept going and I kept going and I lost control of myself trying to take control of something that I would never have control over in the markets. And it took me a good solid six months to a year of constantly forgiving myself, reminding myself that I could have forgiveness for that. Because why could I continue to have forgiveness? Because I was trying to change the way that I approached money. So once you have forgiveness, you then need to change the way you think about something in that area of your life where you're seeking forgiveness. Otherwise, you're just going to end up in that process of, okay, I forgive myself for doing this. Oh, I did it again. I forgive myself for doing this. And then you find yourself doing it for the next 10 years. No change has taken place. Well, forgiveness is not really working because you don't have the other part, which is a change in your way of thinking. And so I want to encourage somebody today because if you can identify an area of your life where you might not have had control over a particular situation, but you tried to take control, and I'm going to get to that second part, the things we can control, it's okay to be able to say, yes, I tried to do this and now I'm going to work through this by granting myself forgiveness. Forgiveness for, that's how we let go. I forgive myself for. Now, if you're driving in the car, you can do this if you have one hand. My, I hope the cell phones 
you know, off to the side. Even if you're at work, you can do this. You can put your hand down by your side. But there's three ways to hold a coin, okay? And I want you to make a fist. Put out your right hand, make a fist, and your knuckles to the sky. There's three ways to hold a coin, like this, the way you have it, knuckles to the sky with a fist. Now turn your wrist. Now you should have your fingers facing the sky in a fist. This is the second way to hold a coin, like this. Now open your hand so you should have palms to the sky. This is the third way to hold a coin. There's three ways to hold a coin, but only one way to get more. I could never get more of what I was looking for financially. I could never get to the place mentally where I would feel confident and comfortable taking risk financially again unless I was able to let go, open my hand and say, TJ, you know what? This thing I'm holding on to, it's not good for me. I'm going to let go of it because I trust and hope that when I take risk again, I'm going to get something better than what happened last time because I trust myself. I trust that I'm going to make a better decision. I'm going to change the way I think. And so that leads me to part two, which is the things we can control. I trust myself with the things I can control because I now have learned something so valuable in my life as it relates to money, for example. I've learned something so valuable about one word, accountability, and another word, process. And I've understood that so long as I have the right process, including the right people advising that process, meaning people I specifically give authority in my life to oversee that area of my life. So now let me give you an example. Not everybody has authority over every area of your life. Sometimes we go to a friend and start telling them about our relationship when we shouldn't because they don't have authority to speak into our life about relationships because that just ain't their thing. But maybe they should have authority to speak into our life over finances because we trust them. We know that they have our best interest at heart when they speak from that place about finances in our life and we can then give them authority to have that in our life if there's a mutual understanding that it's a two-way street. Now that said, I've understood the importance of that because during that time in my life where I was losing all that money, I was in a period of significant isolation. I was in a period of significant isolation. And although I had one or two people who knew about what was going on, I didn't have the right people. And so I've learned that when it comes to taking risk, I need to have not just the right process, I need to have the right people in place so that I can make the best decision for me. And if I know that I've done all I can and I have peace over that thought, have I done all I can to try and do what I feel is the right thing in the situation, then the outcome matters so much less because 
it was the right process. So of those things we can control, oftentimes when we haven't granted ourselves forgiveness in a particular area of our life, meaning we're still letting that control us, we feel like we don't have control over that area of our life because we're still letting it control us. But that's where we have the opportunity through self-forgiveness, through taking control of your mindset, your heart posture and saying, wait a second, like I fully take ownership over my actions and I forgive myself and here's how I want to change for the better. This is something that I can do differently and better. And I can use that experience in one of two ways. I can use it to break me or shape me. I chose to use that specific experience in my life to shape me, although it did almost break me because there were so many other things that then piled on top of that specific thing happening in my life. I used that experience to shape me. And it will forever shape me because I believe, and I've, I've had confirmation in different ways about this throughout the course of my life, but I believe that I'm meant to steward financial resources responsibly. And for me to act that way, it was a tremendous disappointment of the responsibility I had been given with these resources. And so it was really hard to overcome that because it was so out of character. I refused, and this is the area of our life where we have control, choice. I made the choice to refuse to believe that that action was a part of who I am. I made that choice. Now, oftentimes people come to me and say, TJ, like I've committed this action and it, it wasn't really who I am, but then I've done it so many times, I start to think, oh my gosh, maybe it is who I am. Let me help you. Let me help you. You have choice over what you choose to believe about yourself. You can listen to what other people think about you. You can listen to what you think about yourself. Or you can try and see it from if you have a relationship with your creator, how they think about you. But ultimately, because you have the choice to believe in a creator or not, because you have the choice to believe in yourself or not, because you have a choice to connect and relate with other people, listen to them or not, you have a choice in all these things. And so I'll just present that to you and give you the choice. What do you want to believe about yourself? What do you want to believe about your true character? What do you want to believe about your control over a situation? Where there's a will, there's a way, but you cannot find your way if you have not forgiven yourself for the things that you've done in the misuse of your free will. That one you might have to rewind. But it's a really important point because the reality is we make mistakes. We make mistakes. We all do it. Nobody is perfect. And as what I would call a recovering perfectionist, it can be really difficult to accept the fact that we're imperfect, 
to accept the fact that we might disappoint people, including ourselves. To accept the fact that maybe we've already done that and we need to go back in our steps and we need to look at those things where we might have disappointed ourselves and say, okay, that's exactly what I need to let go of. I'm going to just set myself free from that today. And I'm here, so I'm going to change my ways. That's how you can start exercising your control over things that have already happened by granting yourself freedom from those things so that you can move on in the right ways to your future, to your potential, to fulfill the things that you're meant to do. If you look around you, you'll see a lot of people don't recognize that first step. I call them hooks. They don't recognize how to unhook themselves because they think that they're hooked on, but really they're holding the hook. They think that they're hooked on, but they're holding the hook. All you have to do is let go. You have to know what that hook has for a name. And you can now name it. You can now say, this is where it's my power, my choice to let go of that situation. So when it comes to the things you can control, know that your personal power lies in your personal choice to make a decision to let go of those things from the past and then take full ownership of those things that you have in the present right now and say, can I genuinely control the fact that my business is not growing? Can I genuinely control the fact that I don't have to stay at the office for 18 hours a day? Sure, your boss might get upset. Sure, you might not finish some work. But the reality is, if you are becoming unhealthy and you don't like the person you're becoming as a result of the number of hours you're working, as a result of the fact that you're trying to make other people feel comfortable at the expense of your comfortability, as a result of you not taking full control over the things you have control over, it's not going to end well. And so I want you to know that you have choice in these things. And this was a really big breakthrough thought for me. Not only that I had choice to let go of the things from the past, so long as I knew what those things were specifically and decided to make a change mentally, but I also had choice to own all these things in my present. I had a choice to actually commit to myself. And we'll talk about self-esteem versus self-efficacy in another episode. But I had the choice to actually respect myself. And I had the choice to actually put myself first and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do because this is who I am. And this action reflects who I am. I'm confident about that. I'm going to make that choice. So wherever that choice lies for you today, sometimes, it, sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes it's buried under some dirt. And you got to dig out the dirt to find that choice. See, oh, that's, my, that's what I was looking for. I needed to realize that I have that choice in that situation. I don't need to stay in that relationship if it's unhealthy for me. If it's really unhealthy for them, I don't need to, because of their insecurity, stay in that relationship because I'm afraid to hurt their feelings. I don't need to let that person speak into my life because they're hurting me. I don't need to let that person speak into me. I have the choice to separate myself to create healthy boundaries. All these things you have control over. Now that cannot be confused with the things you don't have control over. First example, other people. 
you have control over yourself. If nothing else, you have control over yourself. And that's where I want your attention to go when it comes to choice. At the end of the day, you put your head on your pillow at night and you need to have peace and rest in your mind that you are being true to yourself. I know this is speaking to somebody right now. You need to have peace and rest in your mind that you are being true to yourself. And you will know when you are not being true to yourself. You will know. It will cause a tremendous amount of anxiety. It will cause a tremendous amount of stress and a feeling of being overwhelmed and a feeling like you're stretching yourself too thin, you're burned out. It means that you are catering to other people before yourself and you cannot be good for other people and serve other people well if you cannot be good for yourself first. Know that your choice lies in what you choose to believe about yourself and what you choose to do with yourself. Now, the third part, and this is the part of maturity. There are things that we can control but don't need to. There are things that we can control but don't need to. Some of you guys know that I've been baking bread since the start of 2018. It's been a great hobby for me. And I just felt like at the beginning of the year, I was having my quiet time and journal time and um, and praying. And I felt like it, God just put it on my heart to start baking bread because I had been in that period of isolation for so long in my life. And I was starting to come out of it, but I just felt like I heard if you want to break bread and be in community, then why don't you bake bread and create the community? And so I started learning. I had no experience baking or with bread for that matter, but I do have a I do have a small place in my heart for bread. <laughs> and and um so I started learning about the bread making process and I think you'll really enjoy this. Um because let's just take a basic loaf, a really basic white or wheat loaf. It's about a four hour process in total maybe five. And in that process of making bread from start to the finish in that four to five hours, there's only about 20 minutes of real work. There's only about 20 minutes of real work. The rest of the time, you go away. The rest of the time, you have to recognize that you taking control over the bread rising process is actually detrimental to the process. If you go and check on the bread as it's rising, you open the oven, you turn the light on, you lift up the towel that you have over the bread, you now expose it to air. And that air then can start to crust the top of the loaf and it can stunt the process of the bread rising. Now, the bread will still rise, but it won't rise to its fullest. And so you'll still have bread at the end of it, but it won't be the best version of the bread. And so my question to you is, in whatever process you're in, let's just say if it's a bread-making process, 
let's make the parallel to your career or your relationship, your spiritual walk, your emotional health, a transition in your life, a reinvention of who you are, growing a business. There are some things that you can control but don't need to because it's not good for you. It's not good for it. You don't need to talk to your clients all the time. If the work that you do with your clients is truly good work, then trust the process. Go away, let that work rise, and come back and check on it at the appropriate time. I think that's a point of maturity for all of us. And to the extent that we develop not just the trust within ourselves, but the trust for the process itself, we will become better people and we will make people around us better. We'll have healthier relationships. We'll have stronger careers. We'll have fuller loaves and fuller lives. I'd love to hear from you guys. If you're following on Instagram, be sure to follow on Facebook. Find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear back from you guys, your questions, your comments. If you're listening, you got some value, please share it with somebody. Please leave a review. Um, when you do leave the stars, um, please also write a review because those two things combined actually help other people understand what they're about to listen to. And also it helps spread the message so other people who haven't heard this audio channel can actually find it themselves. Maybe they'll find something that is going to be more positive uh, and help them live a, a fuller life. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for listening.